Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. This week, Matt and the team have been at the Caravan Camping and Motorhome Show 2023 at Birmingham's NEC. In this week's podcast, we're going to hear about an exciting development in electric motorhomes. One man who says camping helped his battle with lifelong depression, the views of dealers and buyers, and a great innovation to clean up your waste. Also, we're going to hear from a retiree who's written about how her life Life began at 60. Do you own a motorhome, caravan, campervan, or tent? Head to thatleisureshop.com for all your outdoor living essentials outdoor furniture, leisure vehicle spares, accessories, and more. Visit us in store or shop online. Thatleisureshop.com. Quote the discount code at the checkout Motorhome Mat for £10 off when you spend just £100. ThatLeisureShop.com, proud to bring you the Motorhome Mat podcast, ready for the adventure. Last week, we were all about habitation checks featuring the approved workshop scheme business, Bristol Caravans. This week at the show, the NCC ran their approved workshop scheme awards and Bristol Caravans won. Matt congratulated the boss, Oakley Wood, and his team. Now, there are over 550 AWS approved workshop schemes in the UK. And I'm here with the winner of the best one in Britain. This is Oakley, my good friend from Bristol Caravans. Congratulations. Thank you very much, sir. Straight here from Holiday yep. in Lanzarote. Oh. So you won an award and you weren't even here to receive it. No, no, no. The team came up and uh, said thank you on my behalf. So they- that was, that was, and that's how it should be, you know. The team worked really hard. We try and get it right for the customer. We try really hard. The team works really hard behind the scenes. So it's only right that the guys came up and, and said thank you. And what does it actually mean for you as a business then to win oh, Best Workshop? You know, I said the team work really hard and, and it's the recognition of that really. It's the, the industry. We work in a great industry. The customers are lovely. The customers that buy from this industry are really nice people. And for us to, to be recognised out of all of those workshops that are out there is, is an amazing thing. Humbly, I don't want to say hurrah because I'm very British, but... It's amazing, isn't it? Uh, you should celebrate it, Oakley. You're allowed. I know, I know. It's very hard. It's so very this hard. was voted for by who? The AWS get together, and um, I think the management team sits down. They sit down with their assessors. They look at uh, if you've got any non-conformances. I think the key for us was our customer testimonials. We put them on the website. They're there for everyone to read, and um, I think that helped us get over the line. Now, you're near us in Bristol, hence yes. the name Bristol Caravans. Yes. Very creative. Southwest. <laughs> we service motorhomes as well. That's worth mentioning, isn't yes. it? Yes. Caravans, motorhomes and campervans. I need to change the name of the business, don't I? <laughs> Make a long <laughs> URL, long website. Yeah. You have a campsite there. So if people want to travel to get a great habitation check done, we've been talking about what does great look like yes. for a habitation check, yes. haven't we? And if they can camp with you and stay with you, can't yes. they? We have, uh, we have CL sites through the Caravan Motorhome Club. So we've got gravel pitches. So we have people all year round with electric hookup waste facilities water so everything you'd expect from a cl is there but we've got a woodland 20 acre woodland where we do wild camping in tents and in the summer we've got a pop-up field meadow 
that we use for camper vans because we're so close to the wave in Bristol, the surfers, they all come and stay with us as well, so it's quite jolly. And people can come and stay whether they want a service or not, can't they? Yeah, absolutely. You don't have to have a service, but if you'd like one, it'd be really nice. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, it's, it's when we're doing bigger jobs like uh, lithium installs or levelling systems, then customers might stay, we'll get the vehicle back to them for a night, then the vehicle comes back into us okay. the next day. So we can segment that, uh, the workshop time. Brilliant. Now just tell us, where do people find you online? bristolcaravans.com there we are Oakley thank you so much for joining us great to see you no, congratulations again you. no mean feat what have we got to do next year it's like <laughs> oh no how do you well, follow it finish your holiday early and yeah. be here to collect the award <laughs> so I'm here with a with a new superstar to the show can I say that <laughs> your words I'm here with the brilliant Harrison Ward how are you I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, I'm just enjoying the show, really. Chatting to folk like yourself. <laughs> well, it's great to have you with us. Thank you. I know this is not normally a show you would attend. You're more the outdoor side of the market, aren't you? Well, it all fits, doesn't it? Getting out there, I mean, just being in the outdoors, whether it's camping, enjoying the motorhomes, or just cooking out there like I do. I mean, all fits, doesn't it? You're known as the fell foodie. What, is, what, what does that mean? Yeah, so I'm based uh, in the North England, so in the north we tend to call the hills fells, and for me it was merging two passions, sort of hiking in these fells and my initial passion of cooking. So these days I'm generally found cooking sort of restaurant-style meals up in the mountains in my Lake District home, beautiful dishes in these remote locations. So fell food is a bit of a pseudonym, if you will. I get it, I get it. And who do you cook for? Well, sometimes just me. Initially, it was a hobby, just something I'd do myself, head out there, enjoy a sunset, prepare something delicious, you know, eat al fresco like we would in barbecue seasons in the summer or camping, campsites. But these days, could be anyone. I sometimes take some groups out there, retailers, but generally just a hobby, just me getting outdoors. How on earth did you get into that? <laughs> well, again, as I say, I always love my foods. I've always loved cooking from a young age, cooking with my grandmother around the kitchen, sort of put to work, really, around those Sunday dinners. When I got into hiking a few sort of short years ago after quite a major life change, I started taking food with me, sort of things I'd made the night before, so like risottos and stews, and I'd often get quite a few comments from people seeing what I was eating when they got the sort of the meal deals or the soggy sandwiches out. <laughs> That'll be me. That's it. And one person said, why didn't you get a stove and actually start cooking out there from scratch? And it all started from there, really. So literally I packed up my bag, things from the kitchen at home initially before I got any equipment, marched myself to the top of these mountains and started preparing meals like you would do at home on the hillside and sharing on social media. You've got quite a story, haven't you? Prior to this, drove you to kind of have a bit of a life change. Can you tell me a bit about that? I've been suffering really with, with what I now know to be clinical depression from early adolescence, really. Something that I kept very, very quiet, very much to myself, didn't share it out there, not wanting to be a burden on anybody else. So just kept these thoughts internal, really feeling like I didn't want to be here anymore. I mean, completely controlling my life. I worked on hospitality at a young age. I've been working there since maybe 12-year-old in the back of house in, in uh, kitchens, washing pots. No training on the cooking side. But later in life, at 18, started working behind the bar. And this is where I really discovered alcohol. Now, initially, this was a, a huge escape for me. It sort of cleared my mind, sort of sedated those dark thoughts I was having. But over time, this began to sort of tumble further and become really a second poison. I'd moved away at this time. I was living in York. I was running pubs at the time after university. Very much a kid in a sweet shop. And uh, at my worst, when I was consuming in excess of maybe 20 pints a day, I uh, ballooned in weight to about 22 stone, I uh, was a full-time smoker, uh, just a very lethargic lifestyle. Dark days, really, and times where I often didn't think I'd get out of those times, really, at, at one point. Unfortunately, following the breakdown of a relationship, I decided I had to leave that city behind and try and make a change. I'd become someone I knew I wasn't, really. I came to terms with the fact I was an alcoholic, moved back to my native county of Cumbria, and for the first time in my life, 
came completely clean with friends and family about what I've been feeling. Now, often people are there keeping these things internal, fearing the judgment from other people, but mm. that moment of actually speaking out for the first time, it was on my personal Facebook page, the support and the, 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 the kindness I received back from people you know, was instrumental into being where I am now. I'm over six and a half years sober now. I was just sort of introduced to hiking by a close friend through that, threw myself into exercise, and really that new passion of hiking and being in those mountains has, has turned my life around for the better. So what would you say the outdoors has done then to change your life? It's just somewhere I just feel as if I can be myself, just, just very free. You know, I found another nice community of people that also enjoy the outdoors and get out there for similar reasons. And I mentioned sharing that story initially um, back on my personal Facebook, but as time went on, I started sharing these adventures online, initially anonymously. Again, maybe another mask I was wearing under that pseudonym. But there were similar stories coming back from people as well about why they find the outdoors, whether it be sort of, you know, camping trips or local walks around the park or up into the mountains, of having that sort of mental and physical benefit, that endorphin hit mm. of spending time in the outdoors. And really, it's just, it's where we're meant to be. It just feels very human to be out there. So I can very much see why enthusiasts at a show like this yeah. love getting outdoors all the time. We do love it. The Camping and Caravanning Club commissioned a report called the Outdoorment Report, which I commend to you because it backs this up. In fact, they say that 97% of campers say happiness is their top motivator for going camping, while 48% of campers reported feeling happy almost every day. There we go. Time <laughs> it's, in the outdoors. It's true, winner. isn't it? Absolutely changed my life, getting yeah. back out there. I mean, I was looking to be brought up in an area like Cumbria, you know, such a green space yes. being out there. You know, I, don't, I do check my privilege of where I was, but it took me a long time, really, to actually utilise what I had on my doorstep, but all for the better. So, Harrison, what would you say to someone listening to this, that it kind of resounds with them what you're saying about the place you were, mm-hmm. and they kind of get that shivery feeling on the back of their neck? What would you say to them and appeal to them to do? It has to be talking to someone, it has to be, it's always talking. I mean, for so long, it's 12 years in silence for me that at times was was nearly the end. I mean, there was moments where I didn't think I'd go on another day. Just reaching out and speaking out, doesn't have to be publicly like perhaps I did it, but reaching out to either a medical professional, you know, a colleague, you know, a loved one, family or friends, it's going to go a long way into sharing those problems. And again, knowing you're not alone through these things, you know, there's not going to be that judgment that you realise, especially there's more and more going on about breaking down that stigma for mental health and things these days. Yeah but just reaching out and talking to someone. Don't suffer in silence. Yeah. Well, we're delighted that you did. Thank you. <laughs> and we're really, really pleased you're here with us. And thank you for sharing your story. It's just amazing. It's great to have you among us. And I hope you can come again. Thank you for having me. So we're here at the February NEC Show 2023 with an exciting product launch taking place here at the show from Campervan Co., I'm joined by Gary, its CEO. This is exciting. This is an all-electric, zero-emission campervan. That's exactly what it is, yes. Thank you. (laughs) Yep, yep, and we're excited too. And is it the only one in the hall? It's the only non-diesel campervan here. That's remarkable. And this is real. You can buy one in March, is that right? That's right, you can buy one now. We're already taking orders. This week we've brought our prototype here for people to see and people to buy. So just a little background on Campervan Co. You launched in 2006. In 2016, you started researching hybrid and alternative fuels, didn't you? Yeah, well, a little bit earlier than that, we we introduced the first hybrid campervan in 2016, uh, which uh, we did about a year and a half's R&D before that. What was really interesting is we launched it in 2016, wondering if it would take off and it became it became overnight our best seller it's currently now the hybrid vehicle is now 78 percent of our sales what we've kind of shown is that there's a market for well-designed low emissions technology 
Is it the world's first all-electric camper van? No, it's not the world's first, but it's the world's first multi-purpose electric camper right. van with fully electric interior, including heating as well. So, and it's got an electric bed, isn't it? It's heated, got a heated, heated bed. bed. Yeah, <laughs> for those cold nights. Yeah, <laughs> who needs an electric blanket? I can say to her, "You lie down, I'll plug it in." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Yeah. So, just the numbers then. How big was the solar? So, the solar panel is uh, standard is three hundred and fifty-five uh, watts, and that's minimum. What I really like about these solar panels is that it will give you a, a three fifty-five minimum, but it can give you extra in sunny days. So you know what you're going to be getting through your camping days. And in terms of engine size. There are two options. Yeah, so there's two battery packs. There's the 50 kilowatt battery pack, which gives you the all-important number is how many miles you get Absolutely. on the charge. So the 50 kilowatt pack gives you 144 miles. And the one that's in this one is a 75 kilowatt pack that gives you 205, which we exceeded bringing it down. So we had it fully loaded with all the stuff for the show and we got 213 out of it which we were really happy with. Yeah, that's really yeah. good. And I know that it was a 200-mile tipping point that was key for that's you, right. wasn't it, in launching yeah, that's this? That's right, yeah, that's right. So we could have launched an, an electric camper van earlier, but there was nothing really on the market until this came along. So we set this, the, this a target as it's got to have at least 200 miles. And that's important because you know, with a camper van, you want to get away from it all. So you know, the idea of going away and there's no charging points uh, with anything less than 200 miles, we thought was a bit of a stretch. And how long will it take to the, for the solar to recharge the battery then? So don't forget there's two battery systems in here. There's the, the battery for the, the drivetrain, which is the 75 kilowatt. But what we've installed, and this is our system, is there's a 230 amp hour leisure battery on there. So um, that will take from empty to full 40 minutes. But with the solar panel and with the low power use and the low heating use in it, we, we're expecting at least seven days. But, you know, if you're using it carefully, it just won't run out. And do you think we'll get a camper van that has just one battery source, power source, um, where everything's running off the one van battery? You can, but I think that where, where you want it to be is, is that whatever you're doing in your leisure time, you're not impinging on the range of the vehicle. Right. So, so we, that's why we think and why we've installed uh, a really powerful but intelligent separate leisure battery system and it's the same as, as, as any conventional camper van you don't want your leisure battery compromising your, your drive battery because no. you want to be you know you want to think oh I'll get the, the heating on or I'll get whatever on but I want to get away tomorrow and I get yeah. to my destination yeah. Gary there's hours of conversation there's to have on yet. this <laughs> <laughs> yeah. this is cutting edge brand yeah. new so when can we have a test drive in it um, very soon, come up to Scotland, come and see us, come and visit us at our factory, we'll show you them getting made, uh, I'll introduce you to our design team and take it away for as long as you like. We are definitely sure going to do love it. it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we want to test it in the real world. Aye. Brilliant. Gary, thank you very thank much you. for showing us this and well done on bringing it to the show. I'm sure once you put it forward for awards, it's going to scoop plenty, it deserves to. It's absolutely cutting edge, I love thank it. You. Thank you so much. We're here at the February Caravan Camping and Motorhome Show at the NEC in Birmingham and the show has been visited by a company from Germany for the very first time they've come to the UK. We're on the Arvinger stand and I'm here with Sven. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, I'm Sven, hi. <laughs> a very warm welcome to you. Thank this you is the much. first time you've brought this special toilet to the UK, isn't it? Yes, it is. Sven, there's been lots of conversation around composting loose. For many years, they've been very popular, and they seem to be making a resurgence in the marine and the van world. But this is not a composting toilet. This is a separation toilet. Can you explain the difference? Yes, we call it Arvinger Kassettentrenntoilette, which is in German, and it's a cassette separation toilet. So we are separating only, which means we are separating on top in the bowl, and we are separating in the cassette. 
and this means we have two areas. This is similar to the compost toilet, but uh, what you're doing afterwards with the um, with your belongings, with the uh, feces, uh, as we call it, this is the difference. Uh, we use a bag in this uh, cassette, and we will bin it, uh, or you have to bin it, and you use uh, sawdust or uh, coffee ground or something like that uh, to get rid of the uh, smell or the wet part of the uh, solid stuff. So that's the whole idea of right. the separation toilet. Composting toilet, uh, you have to swirl it, you have to curl it, and you get to add some turf or something like this so that you get a fermentation on. And this is done by air, so you need definitely also a fan to get this uh, dried out and fermented. That's the difference. And, and composting human waste takes time, doesn't it? I think it's it's not that long time. It's uh, you can last it as uh, say between three and four uh, weeks. In Germany, it's not allowed to composting it outside these kind of bins. You have to waste it as well uh, due to some laws. There. Okay. Yeah. Right. So this is not a composting loo. We've yeah. established that this is actually an adaption to the Thetford toilet you find in pretty much every motorhome camper van, and it separates. Let's get to it. The wee and the poo. Okay. If you're listening, I'll explain. So we've got a divider here, which kind of separates <laughs> the wee from the poo, and it tries to catch it separately. And they go into separate compartments in the cassette. The idea is that by doing so, there is no smell, and more importantly, no chemical. Now, that's why. Why don't you need chemical? Usually, if you put uh, wee and poo together, it will uh, create ammonium or something like that, and this is what you smell. Uh, even if you have only poo and water, so, or uh, poo and water, or urine and water, it will react, and this reaction creates a smell. But if you separate both of them and store it in the bottom, uh, separated without water, without anything else, it will not uh, smell. Even if it's on the first attempt, it will smell as usually, even if at home in the water closet. Uh, but afterwards, it dries out the uh, poo and it's not smelling anymore. So by adapting a Thetford loo to have this fitted, you don't need chemical and you don't get smells at all. Is that, that's, that's right, yeah? Yeah, correct. You don't need water either, So because you're not flushing. You're not using your water for flushing it down to the, down the toilet. You're using the uh, water for whatever it's supposed to be. Uh, you don't flushing here anything. The uh, wee will go down here, and if you want to clean it, you use vinegar to uh, just wipe it and uh, put the uh, paper in the uh, poo area then. So you can put your toilet paper in with the poo, that's okay. And then can we pull the cassette chamber out? So the important thing is this still goes down the sewer, okay? We're not doing anything different with the waste. This is a this is a cassette missing its lid top. You're going to put a lid over this bit. Yes, so is. which goes where? The poo goes in here, uh, just falling down. Gravity helps us there. Uh, then you put also the uh, sawdust or something else on it uh, so that it's uh, covered and, and you're not seen and not smelling anymore. The urine goes by a pipe here in the backside. Uh, and this holds 7.7 litres of uh, urine, which means at least 25 uh, usages, uh, because you don't uh, flush water with it. In a normal set for toilet, you have 200 to 500 milliliters of water for every usage on top of that, and that's the reason why it lasts longer. But the very important thing is we can separate this here also from each other. We are. Uh, using it in the service hatch, so the usage of the toilet, of the cassette trend toilet, is the same as before as well. But this 7.7 .7 litres is a handy case and you can just flush it in any toilet or uh, wherever it's possible to flush it. So many of us have rules about no number twos, so that's ideal. <laughs> you just take your number <laughs> okay. ones off. 
what's a number one and one or two? I don't know that <laughs> word. Sorry. So a we in, in the UK, number yeah. one is a we. Ah, okay. And number two is the other. Ah, okay, good. Yeah. 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 It's a politer yeah. British way yeah, yeah, of explaining it. <laughs> Got it. I will, I will uh, remember that forever. Yeah, now. there you are. You can have that. So the number two pot, the faeces pot. Yeah. And that's interesting as well. We call it faeces in the UK. Yeah. That's it's it. only a medical unknown term in Germany, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, in, the, in the patent, it's named as faeces, which is the medical name. And um, the crowd doesn't know this name usually. So they say everything else despite faeces. Uh, whatever you call it in German. Let's yeah. go with number two. Yeah, Sven, we'll keep we it clean. It yeah, so Come will, on, we I enjoy will, our sorry, podcast I, I category of clean. I will, I will, I will adapt myself now. <laughs> Brilliant. So there's a lid to go on the number two section. Yes, we are on the construction way already to get lid here on as well, because some people are, if they open and look into it, you can see what your former user did. Yeah, <laughs> not nice. Uh, with, a, with a number two, yeah, usually you have covered it uh, with the paper and also with the sawdust, so you you usually don't see that. It's okay. not an issue. It's a topic of the mindset, in my opinion. But we are in the construction of the lid. It will be opened here, and the good thing is, if we have this uh, lid, we can also uh, create a kind of a compost toilet out of it by uh, adopting a kind of a screw or curler. So that's the okay. adoption for the future. We're talking about one year's uh, construction there on that. What so is coming? So recently, out. cassette toilets from Thetford have had handles and wheels fitted on them. There, is there a plan to add these features to it? No, no, it's not necessary because the 7.7 litre, it is, it is on the set for toilets because it's more than 20 litres or 17 litres. It's, it's really heavy. Uh, we will create a half a bag for it. And it's brand new to UK. I mean, you've literally arrived here this week. Can people buy it here yet? Uh, we have a distributor in UK. Uh, we are starting to establish the uh, supply chain regarding customs and taxes. That's the thing where we are discovering currently. So within the next three, four, three, four weeks, it will be available here in the UK. And uh, we have also inquiries from uh, installation uh, companies who want to become installer for us uh, in the UK as well. We have 17 in Germany and uh, Austria and Switzerland. And you can find them on our uh, internet site, uh, arvinger.de slash en. And there you find a map with all the installers and we will update that every every week, I guess. so. And just remind us the website again. arvinger.de slash en. Brilliant. It's Arvinger with a W. We would say Arwinger over here. Okay, yeah. That sounds cool. I'm learning English currently. Yeah. <laughs> and roughly what cost are they going to be as a kit, do you know? Uh, yeah, we know it will be, it would be roughly 1,200 pounds, um, but we already got the feedback that this will be far too much in the UK. Yeah. Uh, so we are thinking about an introduction price uh, less than 1,000. So that's what we are thinking. We, but we will come out on the website and we'll show what the real price will be. Okay. Sven, thank you very much for giving us a demo of this. It's certainly a novel product to our marketplace. It's actually a really old-fashioned technique of treating human waste, isn't it? But it's great to see an innovation back in our industry again. Uh, I love it. It's great. Well done. Thank you very much. Well, I'm here at the February 2023 Caravan Camping and Motorhome Show with the lovely Siobhan Daniels. Siobhan, hi. How are you? Hi, I'm very well, thank you. What a fabulous show this is. It's very busy today. It's Saturday, isn't it? And hectic. Yeah, I was talking on the advisory stage this morning about female solo travellers. Um, and it's great to seeing everybody rushing in and wanting to buy motorhomes and tents yep. and things. It's very exciting, isn't it? Now, tell us about your new project, your retirement rebel book. 
Yeah, well, I retired when I was 60, three and a half years ago from the BBC, got rid of my home, got rid of all my possessions and bought myself a motorhome, Dora the Explorer, <laughs> like you do when you retire. And I hit the road and I've basically been finding my way on this roller coaster ride and writing about it and my life. And it's come out as a book, Retirement Rebel, and it's doing really well. Fantastic. Now, you're waving a big flag, aren't you, for the over 60s that can do this, men and women? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely men and women. But I'm telling my story because it's resonating with a lot of women who find themselves overwhelmed by life when they're in the late 50s, early 60s. And nobody's really been talking to us, for us or about us. So I wanted to show you could live with very little and have a great life and find happiness. And I was broken in my mid-50s. I'm the happiest I've ever been coming up to 64 now and I want to show women they can do that I've done it with a motorhome not yeah. everybody has to do that but I'm shouting from the rooftop that you when you retire you refire yeah <laughs> <laughs> you've practiced this haven't you uh-huh. and what do you think a motorhome's had a big part to play in that do you think Yeah, I think you get bogged down going out and earning a lot of money to buy a lot of stuff, to pay lots of bills, and you can't live. Mm. And I was doing that and living in a gorgeous flat with a good job and lots of money, but I wasn't happy. So my motorhome has showed me I can live with far less possessions, but be truly living my true happiness. And I found my inner voice, I found my inner warrior, and I want to be able to champion for other women to be able to do that and inspire them. And that's what my book, Retirement Rebel, is definitely doing, because I'm getting messages from women all the time and many of them are buying vans I'm sure and I bet you are too I've bought a copy thank you for signing it I really appreciate that where can people get their copy they can order it um, from Amazon or they can get it from my publishers Vertebrate Publishing or they can go to my website siobhanshavoff.co.uk because in Yorkshire when you want to get rid of it you go shove off and I'm originally from Yorkshire so that is s-h-u-v-o-n s-h-u-v O-double-F, siobhanshavoff.co.uk and there's a link to my book. <laughs> Play that back if you didn't catch that. We'll put a link in the note to this. Anyway, Siobhan's great to see you again and Thank have you. a great rest of the show and good luck rustling with these 26,000 wonderful people that are here today. Thank you and thanks for what you're doing for everybody in motorhomes. It's really important getting the message out there what fun it is. No, it's great fun. Thank you so much. See you soon. Bye. I'm on the Chasson stand with the sales and marketing manager of Premier Motems, Mad Dog Andy Beer. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Matt. It's, thanks. Been, it's great to see you, as always. Andy, how has the show been for you? Well, this time it's been quite challenging, to be honest. Uh, the lack of stock and the availability has been very difficult. So the used prices has been difficult as well. So generally, it's been a challenging show. You say used prices have been difficult. What do you mean? Because most customers have seen the price of used on the forecourts and consequently they're asking for that kind of money, which is proving to be very difficult to achieve. Yeah, and often that's more than they paid for it new oh, themselves, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely, especially if they've had it maybe three or four years yeah. uh, pre-COVID. You know, they could be asking for five or six grand more than they paid, yeah. which makes the numbers difficult, to say the yeah. least. <laughs> which, of course, keeps the price in the market propped up. People say the bubble's going to burst. It's not, is it? Not certainly in the next year or two. I think you're probably looking at something changing around 2025. So we already know the 23 season is a bit of a loss. 24, we will see some stock back, but those use values will still be high. And new is not going down, is it? No, definitely not. I mean, here we are on the Chasson stand with vehicles averaging £80,000. Yeah, for, for a Chasson. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's, you know, to you and me, we remember when they were 40-something yeah. new, don't we? Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, everything's moving up, and obviously the used is, is keeping pace with that. So, yeah, yeah. challenging, but uh, 
part of the fun, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And how does this show compare for you to this one last year? Last year was obviously quite successful, but I think that was because we'd come out of the COVID thing yeah. and people had the intent to buy. That's mm-hmm. what's missing here. There's no intent to buy. People are looking for the product, making the research, and then trying to figure out how to pay for it. Yeah. Andy, have a great last day at the show. You take care. Yeah, cheers, Matt. Have a good one. I'm here on the Eco Wagon stand in Hall 5 at the NEC show in February with its owner, Kenny. Congratulations, Kenny. You won best camper van over five metres. Best design, didn't yeah, you? Congrats. Yeah, yeah, really yeah. good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. What, what does it mean to win that award? Oh, it's, it's amazing. I've been looking for it. I've been after it for years. To, to finally get it, it's, it's just great. You really know? well done. Yeah, yeah. yeah now, the great. one that won, the van that won... Yep had a quite impressive price tag in the windscreen go on tell us yeah, how much it yeah. was just over £131,000 that's a lot of money now lots of dealers are saying you know footfall is complaining prices are too high right. but you just told me you've sold it yeah yeah sold sold it uh, we won the award Tuesday morning we sold it first thing Wednesday morning so yeah maybe <laughs> that's uh, and you sold others as well yeah 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 we've, we've booked other conversions not quite 131 but still over 100 100,000 so our experience of the show is total opposite then, to be honest. Yeah. Well, you've had a great show by the sound of yeah, it. Yeah, really good. Really well, well good. done you. So despite this whole kind of you know economic gloom and the experience for some of the dealers here selling coach-built motorhomes, yours has been very different. Yeah, yeah, really great, great. I mean, we were we were doubtful whether we would come back next year, but I've already booked a stand. Right. So but we will be back in February and in October as well. Fantastic. Well, enjoy the rest of what is a very busy show. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here at the February show. This is Ian from Alton Towers. Hi, Ian. Hi. So you came to the show Tuesday, it's Sunday, and you're back again. Why is that? Uh, because we came to buy a specialised caravan cover uh, for a new Swift caravan and went home with a motorhome. <laughs> That's a bit of an upgrade. Uh, something like that. So what motorhome did you buy? We bought a Swift Voyager 540. Oh, congratulations. Brilliant, lovely. So what are you going to do with the caravan? Uh, we can part exchange it with Spinney, who we bought from, or yep. we can sell it privately between now and June the 23rd when the motorhome is due. Brilliant. And how's the show been, other than expensive for you? Uh, perfect. You enjoyed it? Oh, uh, brilliant. It's a brilliant day out. Yeah. yeah. What's the highlight, other than buying a motorhome? I think there's everything you can get in one place. Yeah. You know, you can see everybody. We're going to get some gas bottles now. We've been for sat navs. We've, we've been for insurance. We've been for the tracker, so you can get everything in one place and take it back to the Richard Smith at Spin. He's brilliant. He says he'll sort everything, so you can get the price for everything and he'll better it and he'll have it all fixed up for us <laughs> from day one. Fantastic. So well, makes con- the wife very happy. So Yeah, well, that's the main thing. Congratulations. Well, we look forward to hearing how you get on. We'll speak to you soon. Yeah, I hope so. Have a rest, good rest of the day. Thank you very much. Take care. A new venture for us and our team at thatleisureshop.com has been selling for Seago. They do a range of paddle boards and multi-seat kayaks. And I'm here with Nicola, who has been helping us out this week on the Seago stand. Hi, Nicola. Hi, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm really well. Thank you so much for helping us this week. How has it been for you on Seago? It's been great, really fun. Loads of interest. We've had sales. Yeah, people are loving it. Everyone's climbing in and out of kayaks, testing out the paddle boards. And paddle boards have been really popular, haven't they, over the last few years? But is, it, is there more interest in kayaks or paddle boards? I think more interest in kayaks. Uh, there's a lot of brands out there selling paddle boards. 
Uh, so I think what we do slightly differently is having the kayaks that are really sturdy, really stable. You don't feel like you're going to wobble and fall in. And they're a really keen price as well. Exactly. I think, yeah, we're the best price here. So Brilliant. Well, they'll be at the rest of the Warner shows all this year, the outdoor shows. Uh, and hopefully we'll be back in October with it as well. But Nicola, just before you go, this coming week you've been helping us out. I know that you own a green Michelin star restaurant. And this week your head chef, the lovely Mark, is doing something rather special. Tell us more. Yeah, so Mark, Mark McCabe, he's representing us with the Epicurean restaurant. He'll be on Great British Menu mm-hmm. uh, Tuesday till Thursday. He's made us very proud, so yeah, we should uh, everyone give a listen. BBC Two at 8 o'clock on Tuesday. We will watch with great interest. I would love to get Mark on find out how it all went. Yeah, we should definitely get him on. He, sh- he should do a demo as well. We know that lots of our listeners love food as much as they do motorhomes from Google statistics, clever stuff. Uh, so, yeah, I'm sure people would love to hear about more about that. We'll have a chat with Mark later. So that's just some of the interviews we carried out during the week at the Caravan Camping and Motorhome Show. We will have more for you next week in part two of our review of the show. Feedback from the show has been mixed. It seems that there are lots of folk here for the first time, discovering motorhoming and caravanning for the first time, looking to buy, or lots of people seemingly have just bought. For dealers, it seems to have been a mixed bag of feedback. Some have found it really tough, with some great days and some reporting really poor days for sales. The overall feeling seems to be that of a bit of a pendulum swing. 12 months ago, this show was sold out every day and sales were, as one dealer put it, like shooting fish in a barrel. This year, it seems to have been much slower. Has the pendulum swung the other way or is it indeed starting to settle? For me personally, I'm still encouraged and optimistic by the overall view at the show. It's been busy. We've seen lots of new and existing owners as well as those here to discover motorhomes and caravans for the very first time. But what did you think? Did you go? What was your view? I'd love to know. We would also love to feature your thoughts on a future podcast episode. You can leave them at motomat.co.uk forward slash askmat. Record them. We love hearing your voices or submit them by a form. Thank you, as always, to those that came and said hello and for your continued encouragement and positive feedback. Hearing that the podcast has helped many of you make an informed decision about choosing a motorhome or caravan makes the team and I so proud. Helping people discover this amazing industry was and remains one of our key objectives. I think we will carry on doing this for a while longer, but for now, I'm off for a little lie down. Thanks for listening to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice. We'll see you soon for another Motorhome Matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Thank you.